When you or your child have strong feelings and or thoughts about a subject that is contrary to the Word of God, then you need to know there is a reason why your feelings are not in line with God's Word. Something happened to you that opened your life up to a lie from the enemy. Instead of trying to excuse your sin or the sin of your child or trying to make everyone else accept your sin, rather go to God and ask, Holy Spirit, why am I struggling in this area? Your word says this, but I'm feeling and thinking this. Then you can start a process of healing. I would not be where I am if I did what I felt, if I did what I thought was right. This is not a road of judgment or condemnation. This is a road of love and freedom. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Uh, so those who are joining us for the first time here or online, just to bring you into where we are and what we're busy with, for a whole bunch of weeks, even months, we've been laying foundations, biblical faith foundations. What do we actually believe, what are the important things to believe, and what does it mean, and how do I apply it to my life? And we've been studying those foundations, and then we took it from there and said, okay, how do these foundations, when I actually believe them and apply them, how should they impact my life, certain areas of my life? And we've been looking at different ways that that um, should happen. With, we talked about how it affects my marriage how it affects my parenting. And um, last week I did a special message on Heritage Day because it was Heritage Day. Talked about heaven is my heritage. And the week before that, I had a message called Raising Royalty, which is about doing parenting God's way. And I got only through half of that message. And the idea was to continue with what I didn't finish. And as I was preparing for today... I felt God just stir my spirit to go in a bit of a different direction, but still linked to this. And I will get into that just now. So a summary of what we did with the first Raising Royalty sermon was to bring across this very important message that in raising our children, we need to be intentional about raising them in the Lord's ways. And it has to happen through a healthy relationship where there's intimacy between you and your child. And we talked about how, what that looks like, how do we establish that. If you missed it, you can go and listen to the podcast or go check the video. It's all on our sites and pages. We looked at a few scriptures, foundational scriptures that has to do with this. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 to 9 was one of the most important ones where we need to be teaching our children the Lord's ways every day, all day. And that's one that challenges me a lot. 
we've, we read in Matthew 19, 14, that the kingdom of heaven belongs to these children, actually. We read in Psalm 78, verse 1 to 8, that we need to have a generational approach. What was taught to me about God by my parents, I need to transfer to my children and teach them to teach their children. We need to approach this generationally. Proverbs 22.6, we saw that we have a responsibility to train our children in the way of the Lord, and when they grow up, they will not depart from it. And we shared a few others. Malachi 2 shows us that God wants godly offspring from people that serve Him. Psalm 127 tells us children are a heritage from the Lord. And in Ephesians 4, we see that they talk about the fivefold ministry And we spoke about how that is not just the church's job. It actually starts at home. How am I training up my children to get to the place where they are are grown up to the perfect version of Christ? That is the bar. That is the bar. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How many of your children are there? (laughs) They are, they are there with a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you're like, yes, my job is done. I'm heading to heaven. Anyone got that right? Because I need some notes. But that is, that is what God is calling us to. And we need to have that intentionality to get there through relationship with our children. All right. This week I want to start off with another scripture that has really been stirring in my heart. And I hope that today I can bring what I want to say across in an effective way, a non-judgmental way, a loving way, but still serving the truth of the Word of God. If you forget everything I say today, please remember this. We need to be as protective as we are about our children's physical and emotional well-being, which is the obvious one. Most parents will stop their child from doing something that could hurt them. Or they would stop someone who wants to hurt their child, emotionally or physically. But I think where we lack and where we are not aware is protecting them with the same vigilance, the same fervor, the same passion, When it comes to their spiritual well-being. So if you're going to cut off after that, you know, at least you heard that. I want you to turn to your Bibles or go to the events on the version to Matthew 18, verse 1 to 11. And I want you to really listen to this. It starts off with the disciples now having been with Jesus for a while. There's pride and arrogance starting to bubble up among them. We sometimes think these guys were saints all the time. (laughs) But listen to this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that they wanted him to say, like when children come to to their parents, who's your favorite? They wanted to hear, hey, Jesus, who's your favorite? And he calls a little child to him and sets him in the midst of them. And he says, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted 
and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven unless you convert and become as little children. Therefore, because this is true, disciples, listen to me. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as, a, as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for them if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. Some translation says temptations. For offenses must come. Temptations must come. But woe to the man by whom the offense comes. By whom the temptation comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter in, in, into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. This is meek and mild Jesus speaking. The one who people want to say, yeah, but he loves everybody. Yes, he does. But he's making it very clear how the kingdom works. Listen to this last part. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. I thought that the role of protecting our children was obvious. And most normal, sane parents would lay down their lives for their children's physical or emotional safety, right? I just said that. But today I feel a very strong need to talk about the need to protect our children's spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being connected to that with the same passion, tenacity, and conviction as we would protect their physical well-being. Amen? I have a question for you today. I want you to think of this in a very real way. What would you do if you were at home or at work and after having dropped your kid off at school and you hear via the grapevine that the school had left open the gate of the school and they've allowed human traffickers to come into the school and do what they want. What would you do? Won't you get on the phone while phoning your spouse and the police and freaking everybody and while you are chasing down there and you will freaking die in trying to save your child? Is, would you not do that? Okay. Or would you rather say, I'm sure the headmaster, teachers and school board know what they're doing. 
I'm sure it will all work out well. I'm sure the human traffickers are not really as bad as everybody says. Maybe this will be a good learning experience for my child. Now, as insane as that last one sounds, that's exactly what is happening in our schools at the moment. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and dark forces, assignments of the devil. These forces come from the father of lies. The father of lies. Lies originate from him. He is the father of lies. He knows how to lie the best. He lies extremely well. Better than any of us can ever lie. And when someone believes a seemingly insignificant lie, he gets a gap to put a veil over your spiritual eyes. And the next lie will be easier for you to swallow. Eventually, those that have been lied to effectively are surprised at those who challenge them and not just think, but now believe that they are right and the others are wrong. And to the extent that they will fight for what they now believe. Let me put it in a simpler way. If you've been lied to long enough that you start believing that what is wrong is right, to the extent that you know now this is right and everyone else is wrong. That is where we are in the world. Seemingly small compromises on what is true will eventually lead to a landslide of lies. People, I don't know how to say this in a better way. There is a mighty war raging in the spirit for the souls of our children. It is real. It has always been the case But it's like it has intensified drastically over the last few years. And I don't think it's just because I'm a parent myself now. It's blatant. It's arrogant. And it's possible because there's been clever groundwork laid by the enemy to make this possible now. That this is happening on our watch. He has been able to successfully remove Jesus, the Bible, the Ten Commandments, and any trace of a biblical moral compass from our schools, from our governments, from our hospitals, from every public sphere, it's been removed. So now there's no true north. There's no moral compass. Whatever anyone thinks is true and right, that is what their true will be. And it's happening right here, right now, in our town, and probably in your town, where you are at. It is happening everywhere. But I know that in our cities, in this area, it's been happening. About five years ago, there was a court case driven by some, I can't say names, person, that forced public primary schools, and others I'm sure, to remove the word Christian values from the mission statement and vision statement of the school. That seemingly small thing was actually huge in the spiritual realm. They caved, they gave in, they let it happen. It was a massive victory for the devil. 
It gave them an open door into our schools and a legal right to access our children's minds and hearts. Do not be fooled. This is real and this is happening. And that is why it's so extremely important that we know and believe the word of God. Without it, we are lost. We are left to our own ideas, thoughts, devices, and plans, and they are evil. There's no middle ground. It's either God's way or it's hell's way. I had a message prepared on the more practical points of parenting God's way. I did. That was the second half of what I didn't finish last time. But I believe we cannot go into that without first establishing this very important point. As parents, we have to protect our children, not just physically, not just educationally, but more importantly, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And we need to choose to see that an attack on my child's innocence, an attack on my child's innocence is as bad as an assault on my child by a human trafficker or some person doing violence against my child. It is as bad. People don't get it. I was challenged just last night chatting to people that are like-minded, friends of ours. And we couldn't agree on this point. And I was shocked. And I thought, am I wrong? Am I, am I, am I missing something? But I, I can't sh- This is not emotion that you see. This is my spirit, man, being driven by God, to say something. Because I'm surprised at how few people are. And I'm at the point where I've realized that if the people that I trusted to be the gatekeepers and the watchmen on the wall for my child are letting us down, then we need to step up and say, I'll be that gatekeeper if you're not going to be one. If you've been lied to for so long that you can't see what's happening, it's time for you to take a break and find someone else to step in. Our first line of defense as parents in our home should therefore be to create a home life that is saturated with God's presence, His holiness, His power, and His love. That is our job, is to create heaven at home. Our children need to know my home is a safe space, not just because there's protection physically, but spiritually it's more important that they know when I walk into this home, there's peace, there's rest. This house has been prayed over. God's presence has been invited on a daily basis into this home. This is only possible to achieve when both parents are born again baptized, Holy Spirit-filled Jesus followers who have a marriage built on solid biblical foundations, who know the Word of God, who shares the Word of God with each other and their children all the time, every day, and teaches and encourages and admonishes their children. I did not say, be perfect parents who do everything right all the time. I say that this is where we should be aiming and living towards, is to be those parents. I am nowhere near perfect. My wife is nowhere near perfect. We are growing. We are learning. We make mistakes. But we don't 
say that this is just who I am and let the sin and the wrong stuff go on and become who we are. No, we recognize that this is not right. I need to fix this in me. I need to be better. And I can only be better if I'm closer to God. The presence of God won't miraculously fall on your house if you don't lead it in there. You can't give your child something you don't have. If you don't have a relationship with God, how the heck are you going to pass it on to your child? If you, don't te- if you don't teach your children to love Jesus, the world will teach them not to. It's not just about telling Bible stories. It's not just about saying the same prayer as a little rhyme every day. Because that becomes nothing. It becomes sounds. We need to wake, awaken the spirit in our child so that his spirit can link to the spirit of the word of God. So that, yes, when I do know Psalm 23 off by heart, I actually know what it means as well. I don't just say it because it sounds nice and other people go, I actually know what it means. And when I say it, I stand in the authority that he is my shepherd and therefore I shall not want. Do not underestimate your child. Jesus tells us very clearly that the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. They know more about faith than we do. But the messed up abomination that is happening is that the world is abusing our children's faith and turning it away from God and to what they want them to believe. And because they believe so easily, They are easily swayed. And that's what Jesus means. Woe to those who causes these ones to sin. It is better for a millstone to be around their neck and for them to drown in the ocean. Jesus is serious about this. We cannot let this happen on our watch. And it's not just your child or my child. It's the thousands, the tens of thousands that are exposed to this and have no one standing in the gap for them. What about them? Oh, we just have to love them and be kind and be nice. That's going to do nothing. We need to stand up and say, this is wrong. I can't believe that I actually need to articulate that. It drives me nuts. This is wrong. Boom. As parents, this is our royal high calling in raising royalty. Is to raise them up as sons of God, daughters of God. In speaking to a headmaster recently, I was shocked when he told me that they still have some values. (laughs) And because they are a school with sort of a Christian nature, when Muslim people want to join the school, they tell them, listen, this is how it is. It's a Christian school. We're going to pray and read scripture before whole periods and all kind of stuff. He says to me, all the Muslim parents who have come to the school to ask their children to be put in the school said to him, 
That's fine. I was also in a Christian school and it did nothing to me. What does that mean? It means that we can read scripture, we can sing little songs, we can tell Bible stories, and a Muslim child can be there for eight years and not be changed. Why? Because there's no power in what is being shared. Because there's no real conviction. There's no real presence of God because there's no real spiritual connection. And as a Christian, seeing that other Christians are doing this, I need to stand up and say, that's not right. That's not okay. If we are not going to start being intentional with bringing the power of the Word of God, nothing will change. How many of you grew up in a traditional kind of church atmosphere in a school like that? And you got, got to 16, 17, 18, and you actually had no relationship with Jesus. But every Monday, you hear the scripture and you hear the prayers. Anyone like that? So you're proof as well that this doesn't work. So even having the word Christian in the values may not be enough. But what do we do? We are in this world, but we're not from this world. We can't take our children out in some farm we wanted to do that. We thought about it. <laughs> Build our own school, love key church school, and just go away. Live like monks. But that's not God's call. He has called us to be salt and light in this world. And yes, we need to raise our children up in the ways of the Lord and now we also have to train them up in dealing with these things. Because what is the devil trying to do? He's trying to confuse our children. When the Bible, the Word of God, the mouthpiece of, mouthpiece of Jesus Himself, according to John 1, says something is a sin... When the Word of God says something is an abomination, when the Word of God says do this, not that, because it will lead to death, it is just that. It is sin, it is an abomination, and it's not right. Because the Word of God says so. So now we have to ask ourselves, do I believe the Word of God is the Word of God? If I say yes, and I read this is not how you should live, and I still do it, then I'm a rebel. If I practice sin because I choose to practice sin, I don't have a repentant attitude towards God. And this is why David, King David was called a man after God's own heart. Not because he was perfect. He committed murder. He committed adultery. He did terrible things. But every time that his sin was shown to him, he was convicted and he repented. That is why he was a man after God's own heart. I am not perfect. I still sin. But my focus is to recognize the sin, repent of it, and keep going. And that's what all of us need to do. 
But when we get to the point where we start making excuses for the world living the way they want to, or even for cultural Christians to live the way they want to, we are on a slippery slope to having no moral compass whatsoever and just accepting whatever. And we cannot allow that to happen. Not on our watch. There's this little piece of scripture right in the beginning of the word of God where it says, God created them, male and female. He created them. And then there's a, this thing, a period. Interesting. And when you go further in the Bible, it, it doesn't change. There's no other scripture saying that, oh, you know that scripture in Genesis 1? Eh. It's just a guideline. Just after that, it says the marriage is between a man and a woman. Imagine that. It also says there are certain ways that if you choose to live that way and practice those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very clear. When you or your child have strong feelings and or thoughts about a subject that is contrary to the Word of God, then you need to know there is a reason why your feelings are not in line with God's Word. Something happened to you that opened your life up to a lie from the enemy. Instead of trying to excuse your sin or the sin of your child or trying to make everyone else accept your sin, rather go to God and ask, Holy Spirit, why am I struggling in this area? Your word says this, but I'm feeling and thinking this. So I know it's wrong, but I don't know why I keep struggling with this thing. Why? Then you can start a process of healing and coming into the right standing with God. I've done it over and over in my own life. I would not be where I am if I did what I felt in my life. I would not be where I am if I did what I thought was right. I would be nowhere We need to ask for help from spiritual leaders. We need Christian counselors, Christian, real Christian counselors, people we can trust. Do not go to the world. They are lost. They are getting their information from the father of lies. They will tell you what your flesh wants to hear. Go to God and to trained people of God. Find out what is the root of the problem, expose it to the light of God, and step into a process of healing. This is what the Word of God is calling us to in a process of sanctification. This is not a road of judgment or condemnation. This is a road of love and freedom. If you have experienced anything else in what I've said up until now, I'm truly sorry. It's someone along the... Uh, sorry, if you've experienced the, sorry, the hurt and the shame that I've talked about, 
I'm sorry that this happened to you, that you have any reason to have thoughts and feelings that are contrary to the Word of God. It means something happened, and I'm sorry that that happened. It sucks. It really does. But a bad experience with unwise people does not change the truth of God's Word either. And this is stuff people don't want to hear. They want to excuse it. They want to, you know, paint some kind of other picture till it suits them. And I'm here today to take a stand. And some of you may not come back to this church because I am. And I'm sorry about that. But I cannot build a church on lies. It will fall apart. I know it's not easy. It's messy. Any of these things, it's messy, I know. But when we lose our main moral compass, the Word of God, Jesus Himself is the Word. When we lose Him, and when we start squashing the voice of the Holy Spirit, we are left to our own thoughts, devices, and human wisdom, which falls far short of the glory of God and what He has for us. Amen? The enemy is coming for our children in a veiled, secretive way. And he is using and will use people in authority that you think you can trust. That's become very clear to me. People with impressive degrees and experience and accomplishments. Unless they are born again, saved, Holy Spirit-filled people, part of a local church, don't fall for it. Always check with God first. Always be led by the Holy Spirit. Do not be intimidated by the world and its flashy things. Pray. Discern. Stick to the truth of God's Word. And to do that, you need to actually know His Word. Jesus used it when He was tempted in the desert. He used the Word of God. It is written. It is written. How much more do we not to be, should be able to say that when stuff comes against us? It is written. It is written. But if you don't know what is written, you're going to look like a clueless Christian. I don't know what to say. What you say sounds right because you say it with so much authority and conviction, it must be right. No! The truth hasn't changed. Wake up, O sleeper. And we need to teach our children to do this as well. We cannot monitor them 24-7. I really wish we could. It sucks, but we have to deal with it. We need to train them up in the way that they should go so that they won't depart from it. That means that they should be saturated with Scripture, with the presence of God, and with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and know what the presence of God feels like. They should know. I'm sensing the Spirit of God, the presence of God. What does that feel like? Why? So that they can discern when he's not in a place. So that when they walk into a place or a party or watch a video or on a website or playing a video game or reading a book, when they sense that this is, this is something else, this is not God, they must be able to say, no, themselves. They should flee from temptation because we taught them to do so. If we do not train them to do this, they will not. It's that simple. 
I'm not saying we should raise them in fear either. This is not about bringing fear. They only need to fear God and nothing else. They need to operate with a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That's what Paul teaches Timothy. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. To do that, they need to be saved. They need to be baptized. They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be so in love with Jesus that they only want to please Him by doing things His way. John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But they won't get there on their own. We need to lead them there. We cannot rely on the public schools to do it. We never could, <laughs> but especially now, they are under so much pressure. They have so many things coming to them from all sides that we cannot trust them to do that. They are playing a political game. They're trying to please the world so that they can stay open. We cannot trust them to do this. The government has, an, has given itself over to an evil agenda to poison our children's minds with things that they are not ready to handle. That has become crystal clear. More and more, the world, uh, sorry, more and more over the world is moved, sorry. I typed this very badly. <laughs> Our children, uh, uh, the enemy is trying to gain control over our children and trying to remove parents' authority from their children. There are some horrific things happening in Canada and in the USA. And it's a matter of time before it knocks on our door. I'm not going to say the things because it's, yeah, it's, we need to do this now so we are ready we cannot let this happen on our watch. We need to take the reins that we have been given by God and with His help and guidance, steer our children in the right direction. I want to say it again. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up. Rise up, man of God. Rise up, woman of God. It's time to choose Either we are gatekeepers and watchmen on the wall who will fight for our children and call out sin, or we will be floor mats. This is real. Okay, so that was quite heavy, all of that stuff, I know. But I have some good news. Jesus has overcome it all. The same, amen. The same power that raised him from the grave lives inside of us who are born again. And we have access to weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, ideas, and arguments. And we can bring every thought captive under the authority of Christ Jesus. Through Jesus, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we can do this. And we actually already have the victory. We just have to walk in that victory and bring that victory into our children's lives and every space we fill. The fragrance of Christ should be dripping off of us wherever we go, whatever we are doing. I want to share the scripture with you as well. Isaiah 54 from verse 13. This is really powerful. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. 
In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression. We are, we are in a time of great oppression. For you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Come on. That's a great promise. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue, there's lots of tongues wagging right now, and it's rising against Christians in judgment. Listen to this. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. But are you? This is the heritage. Listen to this. We had heritage week last week. Heritage day last week. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And, to, and the righteousness is from me. The heritage we have is that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And that if anything, any, any word rises against us, we can condemn it. That is our heritage. We've been given that. The question is, have I received it and am I using it? Do not fear. Do not be intimidated. Stand up. Put on the whole armor of God and stand. Praise and worship Him all the time. Our lives and our children's lives are literally at stake. This is very serious. We are saying no to the plans of the enemy, and we are taking our neighborhood back. Who's with me? Come on. Let's pray for our children. Lord Jesus, today in this moment, we, we lift up our children to you. The children we have, the children in our area, the children in the Western Cape, children of our nation, and the children of the nations of the world. Lord, I have such a strong sense in my spirit that there is an attack on them and it's intensifying. So Lord, we want to humbly come before you. We want to say thank you for your power. Thank you for what you've done on the cross. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us because we cannot do this in our own strength and we cannot do this on our own. So we humbly submit before you and we ask right now, Lord, that you will help us to move in the authority and the power that you have given us as men and women of God, as parents, as married couples. Help us to be aware of what is happening in the Spirit. Help us to discern when something is of you and when something is not of you. Help us to when we read your word, to not just hear it and read it, but to make it a part of who we are so that when we open our mouths to our children and to our spouses, that the word of God is what will come out. Lord, I pray that you will help us to understand the promises of your word, the blessings of your word, so that we can speak that over our children on a daily basis. I pray that you will help us to lead our children in the way that they should go by your word. And that when they grow up, they will not depart from it. I pray now for a hedge of heavenly protection around each child here, represented here, and around this nation. Lord, as a spiritual family, we want to use the weapons that are mighty that you've given us. 
And in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to tear down every argument, every thought, and every lofty idea that is being thrown around about the identities of our children. And we bring it under the authority of Christ Jesus. And we say, you are quiet, you are canceled, and you will be no more. We declare and decree boldly that this nation belongs to God and that ultimately His way will be the way we live and the way we strive to live by. Thank you, Jesus, that you empower us, strengthen us, guide us and lead us to be the children of God that we've been called to be. I thank you that you will help us to be your light and your salt in the schools that we are in. Help us to be part of the solution, not just criticize and judge, but to be the light, to be the salt that we want to see in our schools and in our places of work and in all the public spheres of this country. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. We glorify you. We honor you. We are so grateful that you are our God. Bless us, bless our church, and bless this ministry in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we all say, Amen. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.